The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You are listening to the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world uh, with your host, Nam Ras, the Late Morning Program. I'm here with Sutapa Prabhu. Sutapa Prabhu, thank you for, for joining me. Nam Ras, it's an honor. I really thank you for allowing me to share something with you and... Uh, yeah, thank you for what you do. Your podcast is like uh, my morning exercise listening, you know. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, Sutapa Prabhu, like uh, we were talking about this be- before we went live, but the first time I met you was at the Pandavasena retreat in 2003. And and we haven't really spoken so much since then, although I saw you here and there and, and stuff, but you're a very busy person engaged in service and and all all things at the Bhaktivedanta Manor but um and now you're going on to do amazing things and I just want to pick your brain about the whole thing but let's start off with um how did you get in touch with Krishna consciousness let's start there yeah um I guess I was kind of coming to the temple since a young age because you know from a Hindu background and so on and so forth and uh, I guess it was about 15 when I really had a hunger to know more about spirituality, about my religion, as it were, right. and um, just explore more. So um, I remember going to the library and picking up uh, a few copies of the Gita, not Prabhupada's Gita, and uh, just having this hunger to learn. Um, and somehow or other, they didn't resonate with me. But then I got a copy of Prabhupada's Gita when I was, yeah, 15, 16. And uh, that was the beginning of the journey, I think, really. It was kind of a special year. It was 1996, and it was Prabhupada's centennial. Right, right. There was, like, loads of things going on at the temple and with Pandavasena, the youth group. and Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just started coming into the temple and like firing questions at the devotees about the Gita. Um, and, and that was the beginning of the journey. Wow. Yeah. Really cool. And, uh, and so you became, when did you become a, a full-time brahmachari? So, yeah, I, I kind of began my journey about 15, 16 years old. And then I, um, I kind of got in touch with the youth. Uh, yeah. As I said, the point of the youth group, and uh, it's kind of relevant to today's topic. But what really struck me about them was that they really believed in what they were doing. You know, right. like you know what it's like when you sh- you sh- you know you show the devotees that you're a little bit interested in Krishna consciousness. They just like they jump on you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know they were like ringing me left, right, and center to come like to every program and they were just like checking up on me to see like how I'm doing to make sure I haven't like blooped or anything. Right. And I was like seeing their like enthusiasm for me to take up Krishna consciousness. Like what occurred to me is like there could only be two possibilities here. Either they think I'm really, really special or what they're doing is really, really special. <laughs> right. That, wow. That's what occurred to me. It could, it could only be one of the two things. And uh, later on, I realized that they do this for everyone because they really believe in what they're doing. And, and that was fascinating for me because it was like, 
I guess in my life, I was looking for something that I could really believe in and give myself to. Um, and, and yeah, that, and Christian consciousness, really, I saw that in the devotees. So yeah, I, so 16, 17, I got more involved and then I went to university. Um, and yeah, the hunger was just growing. I, I kind of lost my interest in university a little bit after one year. Um, <laughs> But the wow. devotees convinced me to finish and and as soon as i finished i practically yeah joined as a full-time brahmacharya at that time so like yeah 21 and yeah that was the beginning of uh the life of orange as they say or the <laughs> life of a monk yeah can you briefly explain what pandavasena is because i'm not sure everyone will no, because but it's very prominent. I mean, all over the world, actually. There's there's in you know parts of Pandavasena, but it started all in England, right? Yeah, the Pandavasena incredibly dynamic. Like uh, some of you may know the history of when the manor was trying to or was being closed down, or you know there were campaigns to close the manor down. And as part of that campaign, the youth kind of rallied together, and it was like the Pandavasena, you know, like fighting the battle of Kurukshetra. Um, <laughs> so they were quite an inspired bunch, a revolutionary bunch, and they were real missionaries. And um, I think I was really fortunate to uh, begin my spiritual life uh, associating with them because I guess a little bit of their spirit seeped into my own heart. And, right. um, and yeah, so, and then they've continued on since then um, with their revolutionary spirit, with their uh, amazing and ingenious ways of sharing Krishna consciousness with the world. And uh, yeah, they do many, many amazing things now. You're still like affiliated with them in the sense of you, you are like one of the senior members who, who has, who now counsels the younger members and things. Yeah, I try to help out in whatever way I can. Yeah, it's um, I, I just find their energy amazing and their ingenuity amazing. So yeah, still involved and yeah, still still trying to contribute. Definitely. Wonderful. Let's let's talk about the topic. So the title. So for those of you who don't know, Sutta Prabhu is on the uh, sannyas list. What we call an iskon, the sannyas list. So those who are going to take the sannyas order, they put on this list, and <clears throat> a number of years ago, years go by, and then they're they're given sannyas. So I found that really fascinating, and I wanted to just talk about sannyas and talk about how that works really, like. In in ISKCON particularly, I know in other institutions it's it's different. But but speaking about ISKCON, in you know specifically, how tell us a little bit about like how did you decide to do that, or did someone say, hey, this might be a good idea for you? Talk us a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess before we begin talking yeah. about sannyas, just to kind of preface it, which is sure. like the uh, the title that we came up with today. <laughs> Because uh, Nam Rashi, he uh, texted me over and he said, uh, why don't we like talk about you taking sannyas? Yeah. And I kind of flipped it on you, Nam Ras, and I said, yeah, perhaps it's not so much about taking sannyas, but it's about marrying the mission. Yeah, love it. And, Loved it. Um, and, and I think it's an important point because sannyas is not an end in itself. Like... Uh, and sometimes devotees come to me and they're like, you're on the sannyas list. You may take sannyas in the future. That's such an amazing achievement. Right. And um, I, I don't know if I really saw it like that, you know, that sannyas is an achievement. Um, sannyas is an opportunity. Sannyas is a platform. Sannyas is an ashram like any other ashram. 
Right. And uh, it's a vehicle through which we can uh, contribute to the world, contribute to other people's lives. Um, and, and that's really what it is. So, so yeah, that's the kind of journey uh, that I'm on. Um, it was never a meditation in my life that I never thought I would be a monk, first of all. I never thought I would be a lifelong monk. I never thought of going in that direction. Yeah. Um, but as they say, one thing led to another. <laughs> and, um, yeah, over time, the devotees encouraged me that, you know, this is uh, a nice thing to do. It's something which is needed um, for the movement. And it's something which will nurture your own spiritual growth. Um, and naturally, there's inhibitions, there's kind of hesitancy, there's a sense of um, trepidation and you... And then you also wonder, like, am I qualified? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Am I like, have I got the right mindset? Um, so it takes a lot of internal kind of, uh, yeah, um, introspection and reflection. And uh, yeah, but primarily it's something that is done for sharing with others and serving. And it's something generally that is, um, encouraged by the Vaishnava community and when it's uh, encouraged by the you know our mentors and our guides and our spiritual teachers then one can be more uh, confident that it's not coming from a place of personal agenda um, so yeah that was I guess the precursor to it yeah right so yeah I mean it was never I guess that's how life works isn't it sometimes we don't think something's going to happen or we don't even think like, okay, you know, being like you said, being a monk and then let alone being a lifetime monk and the sannyasi. So, yeah, I mean, but it's, 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 it's really interesting because sannyas, the history of sannyas and ISKCON is just filled with so much stigma and kind of baggage, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, that's, that's a question that I, that I was thinking about is that, you know, it's like, in, in in some ways, it is an achievement to 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 take to in now ISKCON in twenty twenty one to take sannyas because there's such a rigorous like kind of um, monitoring monitoring of the devotee who's the candidate and then uh, you know maybe looking at astrology and asking you know uh, you know I think there's like a board and you have to be uh, accepted by the board and things. How does that work exactly? Yeah. I'll just map the history coming up to ISKCON. Sure. Like uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu yeah. took sannyas, you know, although sannyas actually is mentioned in the scriptures, uh, Ashvamedam Gavalambam, there's a verse which explains that there's certain activities which shouldn't be done in right. right, right. And one of them is sannyas. And uh, this is cited within the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself goes on to take sannyas. Right. You know, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas is beautifully like depicted in the biographies, you know, like Chaitanya Mangal is explained, you know, there's this long conversation going on between Sachi Mata and Mahaprabhu about him taking sannyas. And mm. he uses all these arguments, you know, like he says to his mom, isn't it the duty of a son that when he grows up, he has to leave home and earn wealth and then bring that wealth back to the family? And she's like, yeah, that's what a son's supposed to do. And he's like, so then I'm going to leave home and I'm going to get the wealth of Prema Dan. 
Kirtan, and then I'm going to bring that Prema Dhan back. Wow. <laughs> That's not quite the Dhan I was thinking of. But, right. Um, so it's beautifully depicted how Mahaprabhu takes sannyas and why he takes sannyas. And, and he takes it because the higher principle is a principle of sharing, of giving. Uh, Mahaprabhu in Vrindavan Das Thakur says, Mahaprabhu gives up uh, the world of family life in order to embrace the whole world as his family. Right. It's a beautiful like outpouring of just giving. Wow. Um, and that's the purpose of sannyas. But then what happened actually in the Gaudiya Sampradaya is from the Goswamis onwards, uh, sannyas was not really present within the, within the Sampradaya. Therefore, even when you see the Goswamis, they're not in saffron, they don't have dandas. Yeah. It's more... Um, when the devotees were going towards renunciation, they were taking Babaji. Um, and really where sannyas was reintroduced was Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And it was contentious. He reintroduced sannyas into the Gaudiya Parampara. Right. Uh, the Bengali Vaishnavas were kind of, um, uh, you know, they were questioning Bhakti Siddhanta, why are you bringing in sannyas? And, and their main arguments were that, you know, uh, sannyas is a position, it invites respect, it invites, you know, a position. And that's counterproductive to Mahaprabhu's principle of Tranadapi Sunichena. You should not take it. They were saying, you know, Mahaprabhu himself said, Naham Vipro, Nacha, Narapati, Napi, I'm not a sannyasi. I'm not a grihasta, I'm none of these things, we're just the servant of the servant. So they looked at Bhakti Siddhanta and they said, like, why are you reintroducing sannyas? Right. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was that revolutionary that he was introduced in, uh, he was uh, interested in introducing things that would help to spread the movement. And so he saw that the Ramakrishna mission in Bengal, the Mayavadis, um, they were the, their sannyasis, their spiritual leaders were able to really contribute and, and, and make an impact on people. So he reintroduced sannyas. Um, he himself took sannyas from a picture, another highly controversial thing. <laughs> yes. and, um, and then we know that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur came in Prabhupada's dream uh, and was inviting Prabhupada to take sannyas and you know, Prabhupada said it was like a nightmare, you know, it was like shocking, the thought of taking sannyas. Um, and then obviously we know Prabhupada did take sannyas. And, and then Prabhupada uh, began giving sannyas to very uh, young devotees, yeah. um, you know, and Srila Prabhupada did it for the purpose of preaching, for the purpose of empowering, for the purpose of spreading the Krishna consciousness movement. And, um, and obviously uh, that came with its difficulties. Um, some devotees were taking sannyas at, you know, 21, 22, 23. Um, uh, we've both been 21 and 22 year olds. You can imagine, you know, taking sannyas. Yeah. Um, I think Rita Anandamaraj talks about how he took sannyas and, um, and then Prabhupada made him like the GBC of South America. I think he was like, like 22 or 23 years old. Wow. Uh, and of course, he had been made the GBC of South America, but there was nothing going on in South America. Oh, at the time, <laughs> but, right. 
Yeah, so he just flew, he said I flew into South like Brazil or somewhere Rio de Janeiro or somewhere, and he said we just got a map and we just started putting pins in the map saying we're going to start a temple here, start a temple here, and these, this is what they did, you know, just pioneers. Right. Um, so the sannyasis did incredible service and they make made incredible sacrifices, but there were also yeah difficulties and um, yeah a lot of uh, yeah problems in Iskhan as well, which came from maybe a struggle to follow the vows of sannyas. And so, yeah, it did become a very kind of uh, contentious thing within Iskhan. And then I guess over time, it, 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 you know, the devotees came in and um, looked at the situation, tried to understand why sannyasis were maybe having difficulties and then put in the measures and you know, nowadays it's a lot more stabilized. Um, and as you said, there's a whole process behind it. Right. Yeah, the, the, the process from what I've read is is you, there's an application and then um, and then you're you have to be kind of um, connected with a mentor and then that person kind of monitors what you're doing. I think it's really I think it's really nice and it's it's good, but but then we don't see so many young sannyasis, right? There it's kind of more uh, what do you know what the age is that you can kind of be approved so apply for sannyas at the age of 35 um oh, i'm 35 yeah <laughs> 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 oh 35 okay 35 and you know um i guess that's when i begun my journey i see so, okay you know, so and then it's but you don't generally take sannyas until your minimum 40. Um, but most sannyasis um, are 50 plus. Um, right. It's considered that taking later on, um, you know, is is perhaps more wise, more uh, safer in many ways. You've seen right. many more things and uh, definitely that age can help. Right. Um, I think when they analyzed difficulties that sannyasis had, one of the difficulties was naturally age, you know, and right. um, and so. But yeah, you can take at forty, and and many have taken. Um, That's not so old, actually. I thought he was. I thought the it was much later. I thought it was like fifty-five or fifty, but forty is even still pretty young, I would say. So okay, that's 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 really interesting. So what do you? Let's talk a little bit about. Um, for for all our listeners, if you have any questions, please put them in the comment section. We'll be we'll be taking questions later. Mm -hmm. But let's talk a little bit about marrying the mission because you said that you know it's it, it's not just when we had this conversation. It was it was it's not just about sannyasis who can kind of so called you know marry the mission, but all of us can. So what are your what are your viewpoints on that? Yeah, I mean. You know, Prabhupada sent uh, three householder couples to uh, London and uh, they established the Krishna consciousness movement in London, as we know. And Prabhupada famously commented that my Grahasta disciples did what previously sannyasis had come to London to do, but they couldn't do. Right. Um, and, and Srila Prabhupada showed that um, marrying the mission is something that uh, anyone can do that anyone can um, contribute to is such a beautiful thing. Um, you know, like there's this pastime in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of Mahaprabhu going to South India, and then he comes to the house of this Kurma Brahmana, 
Oh yeah. And, you know, like he's a householder, and you can imagine it doesn't go into details, but you can imagine it's like a chaotic household. He's got different <laughs> things going on. And then Marvin who comes, you know, like this effulgent, fresh, like vibrant, you know, just buzzing sannyasi. And he just captures the imagination of the Kurma Brahmana. And the Kurma Brahmana just like Mahaprabhu was like, okay, I've got to keep the wheels turning now, you know, like I'm going to my next destination. And the Kurma Brahmana comes and says like, I want to come with you. I've, I've had enough. I've had enough of the ways of material, materialistic family life. And, and it's interesting because, you know, Mahaprabhu doesn't like, you know, think like, oh, great, here we go, another sannyasi for the mission, you know. Right. Um, Mahaprabhu looks at him and says, uh, deka tare kaha Krishna Upadesh, Amara Agyaya Guru, Anatara E Desh. He just says, uh, he says, the waves of materialistic family life will not affect you if you do this one thing. Everyone you meet, everyone you see, everyone you speak to, tell them about Krishna. Right. And it's such an interesting instruction because, like, it's, you have to think about it a little bit because you can't make the link immediately. Like, say t- tomorrow if a grihasta was to come to you and say, like, Namras, I've got all these problems in my grihasta life and it's difficult. And you just look back at him and said, everyone you see, everyone you meet, just tell them about Krishna. Everything's going to be fine. Like, right. The person might look at you and say, like, okay, but can you give me something more practical? Like, I need to deal with my... So it's very profound that Mahaprabhu says that because it means that there's a sense in which when you get absorbed in the mission, when you get absorbed in the mood of selflessness, when you get absorbed in the spirit of giving, then your spiritual life turns around. Um, Internally, it brings an absorption. Right. We've all experienced like when you're absorbed in Krishna consciousness, the problems kind of just disappear. Yeah. Yeah? So it brings an absorption. It brings a realization when you preach. Yeah. It's like when you go out and you preach and you try to help other people, um, you kind of begin to look at your own life in a different way. I remember used to go going out on book distribution and hearing like all the problems that people are going through and I used to come back at the end of the day think, you know what, my life's not that bad, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Um, you get absorption, you get realization, um, you get like reciprocation, like you get Mahaprabhu's mercy and that mercy transforms your life and, and helps you overcome problems, blocks. So yeah, like uh, he just told the Kurma Brahmana, marry the mission. Just everyone you see, everyone you speak to, just just tell them about Krishna, and you'll find that your um, your life turns around. And so, yeah, although sannyas is like externally, it's a life in which we give up everything to just try to fully be missionaries. The beauty of Shila Prabhupada's movement is that he gave that opportunity to uh, each and every one in every single ashram. And um, it's interesting. I'll just say one more thing and let me butt in. Um, Sometimes I also saw, like, I lived here in the ashram coming up to 20 years now. And, uh, you know, you you know what, you know what ashrams are like. You've lived in ashrams. They're like, 
they're like the rotating turnstiles, you know, <laughs> like people yeah. come, people go, and there's no problem with that. That's actually, sure, sure. that's completely natural. And what I noticed is that some of the most amazing missionaries in our movement uh, became brahmacharis and then left the ashram and did the most amazing things after they left the ashram. Mm. You know, sometimes people think like, oh, no, I couldn't become a monk. I blew it. I get, you know, I lost my chance. Now I'm just going to be like, you know, um, a league two householder who's just like struggling and, you know, just just able to chime my rounds. But no, you see people who left the ashram and in their grihasta ashram do like incredible things. Um, So everyone just has to find their space. But yeah, then then go forth and, and marry the mission. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. I really like what you said about marrying the mission. You know, it's I feel like it's an easy thing to say, but but sometimes hard to do because yeah. for a number of reasons. One of them I want to address kind of is maybe sometimes the it's difficult to um have faith sometimes in 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 leadership in some le- in some leaders that may not be uh, to our liking or we don't agree with. So it's I think it's it's something more than the like the mission itself. Like when you mean the mission, what do you mean exactly? Yeah, um, Shila Prabhupada was special. Um, everyone's special. Shila Prabhupada is. Very special. <laughs> yes. Srila Prabhupada had such a spirit of giving. Um, he really took that from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and he took it deep within his heart. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was a hardcore missionary. You know, there's this like, um, one time he was giving this lecture, is this a lecture or a piece of writing, and he makes this like profound statement. He says, I wish that every selfless, tender-hearted member of the Gaudiya Math be willing to shed 200 gallons of blood to uplift the spiritual corpus of society. And it's just like, you know, powerful. Yeah, like 200 gallons of, like how many gallons of blood is there in the human body? I think it's like, Google it, check it out, two or three gallons, I don't know. He was expecting, you know, driving to, to, to share Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada met him in 22. And, and even before Prabhupada got up from the obeisances, he said, you're intelligent, you're young. Um, why don't you spread Krishna consciousness all over the world? And so Prabhupada just took that. Um, and Prabhupada delayed that order to some extent because of his, you know, different responsibilities that he had, but it was sitting there and then Prabhupada just came. And I think when we talk about mission, what the first thing that I think of is Prabhupada on the Jaladuta, you know, just coming to America and just journeying into the unknown, um, you know, taking all risk. Um, going into precarious situations and uh, and really just trying to connect people to Krishna, connect as many people in as profound a way as you can to Krishna. And, yeah. and I think that's what mission is. Mission means let's bring as many people closer to Krishna as we can. And in the process, let's ourselves come closer to Krishna. 
and um, embracing the whole world as your family. Um, and you're right, it sounds good in theory, um, and, and maybe we should get into some of the practical difficulties, but what I would say is that first, that inspiration must be there. You know, um, that's why I think reading Prabhupada's biographies and hearing Prabhupada's story is so important yeah. because it, it just it just ignites that inspiration that Srila Prabhupada was just willing to go to any length to share. Um, and I think when that inspiration is strong, then there will be practical difficulties, but that inspiration will find solutions. Um, so I would say mission means to bring as many people closer to Krishna as we can and come closer ourselves. And, and it must begin with a spirit. It must begin with a spirit of feeling a deep gratitude for what Srila Prabhupada did. And, yeah. uh, and, and from that platform, we can then, you know, look at how to do it. Yeah. I, when, when I hear you say that, it, I'm reminded when I first got in touch with the Pandavasena, when I first met you, I, I couldn't understand what was so like, and why were these devotees so enthusiastic about like jammings and, and uh, you know, these Pandavasena retreats and things like that. Like it was so infectious really to be around them that I, that we tried to start it in America. You know, when we came back, we we're like, we should start up a Pandavasena here, you know? And um, it, it, it's, it, I feel it's really something, you know, that you have to understand what the, I heard one devotee talking about this, like we have to understand what the prospect is to actually appreciate, uh, you know, spreading Christian consciousness and sharing it with others. If we don't understand what the prospect is or what the end goal is, connecting with Krishna, as you said, connecting people with Krishna, then we may not be strong enough to kind of take that on ourselves. Um, and experiencing it, yeah. Like today, yeah, the disappearance, yeah. today is the disappearance of Srivas Thakur. Mm. And, you know, like Mahaprabhu comes from Gaya and then he just comes right there to Srivas Angan. And there in Srivas Angan, they're just having like these far out kirtans. And, and there in the Srivas Angan, it's not so much about mission. Because they're yeah. just behind closed doors. In fact, they're locking the doors. They're like, right. no, no, one one in. In. no one can come in, right? Yeah. And then, you know, Kaviraj Goswami explains it beautifully. He says, like, at a certain point, the energy, the energy generated from Srivas Angan was just like bursting. And then the doors just had to burst open. Mm. And then Kaviraj Goswami says, you know, Patra Patra Vichar Nahi, Nahistanastan. They didn't consider we'll go to this place, we won't go to this place. These are good people, these are bad. Um, they just went everywhere and they mm. just gave Krishna Prem. And then he says in the next verse, um, Lutia Kaya Dia Bandara Ujare. He said there was this treasure house of love. And the first thing that the Panchatattva did is lutia, they broke it open. Mm. And then kaya, they ate it. And then when you're eating it, then the natural consequence is dia. You know, you think like, I've got to give, I've got to share the love, you know. Mm. And, so then, uh, and then he says, and the most, bhakti is the most wondrous commodity. Bandarya, ascharya, ascharya means wondrous. 
is uh, is wondrous because it's the only commodity in the world where when you give your own stock increases. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's so much about um, you have to also be experiencing it. Yeah, I remember once we went out on Sankirtan book distribution. Yeah, it's not always easy. So it's yeah. one of those days. It was like you know, it's cold. <laughs> it was you know, it was raining. It was dull. You know. And then we got in, we, you know, and then we had this trolley with like, you know, loaded up with books. It was heavy. And, you know, you just had an argument with a devotee in the car. And, you know, <laughs> we were all going out into the street and we were far from enthused, you know. And then um, and we got into the lift. <laughs> and then in the lift, there was this sign. I don't know in, in, in the U.S. if you have the Samaritans. Samaritan. But the Samaritans are like a Christian organization where if you've got any problems, you can always ring them. It's like a help. Oh, I see. Okay. There was this advert for the Samaritans and it said like, you know, uh, are you struggling? Do you feel down today? Do you feel like what you're doing in life is not completely what you want to be doing? And we were, we were all reading this. And we were like, <laughs> Guys, we need to call this number, you know. Right. <laughs> sure, if we want to be out here. Um, so sometimes it's like that. You go out and uh, you, you're not always experiencing it. But one thing I would also say is that when, when you get into the spirit of preaching, magic happens. You know, it does, you know, it, it's one of those things as well where when you just get into it, the, the, the mercy, you know, the miracles of Mahaprabhu start and you really get drawn into that whole thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so sorry to go on a long point, but yeah, no, the, no. the point is right that we have to experience. <clears throat> Otherwise, yeah. what are we giving? It's, we're, you know, it's mechanical. Yeah. What do, you, what do you feel like when devotees say, when they quote that Prabhupada letter where Prabhupada said, you know, I can't remember exactly what he said before this famous statement, but it was something like, so much expansion and so many devotees. What's the point of all these devotees if they are not educated properly in Krishna consciousness? Now boil the milk, boil the milk and make it sweet, and don't try to expand so much. He wrote that in a letter to someone specifically. So my my viewpoint on letters is that it's for that specific person at that time. You can't just like blanket it for the whole movement. But people do quote that. And what would you say to that? Now we have to, you know. Don't try to expand so much that we kind of lose people. Yeah. Yeah, the, the way I understand that is that on one hand, you Prabhupada wanted expansion. On, on another hand, Prabhupada wanted quality. Right. What I would say is that the first best option is that increase with quality, right? That's <laughs> the best thing, right? Increase with quality. If you can do it, then you're fulfilling everything. My understanding of that statement of Srila Prabhupada is he's saying that if your expansion compromises the quality and if it's a trade-off in any given situation, then always make sure you conserve the devotees first. Mm. Um, and then, you know, then naturally what will actually happen is when you conserve that, you, uh, you know, take care of the devotees and you, inspire them then naturally the other thing will happen anyway right so that's how i would understand it um but i think another aspect i would say is that 
preaching and sharing Krishna consciousness is also a really important part of our own personal development as well. And so like half of the time when I'm out there doing whatever I'm trying to do to share Krishna consciousness, I almost feel like most of it is for me, you know, most mm. of it is helping me. Interesting. You know, like Kaviraj Goswami is writing Chaitanya Charitamrita. Of course, he's in deep humility, but he says, it's only for myself purification that I write, you know. Um, and, and it's kind of like that, that we, uh, we share Krishna consciousness as, a, uh, as, as part of our own self-development as well. So, yeah, we, we want to expand with quality. Both uh, ideally um, should happen side by side. Yeah. You personally, being like a leader brahmachari in the temple that you're with Bhaktivedanta Manor, how do you inspire devotees who may not have that kind of missionary spirit? Because not everyone is a, not everyone may have that inclination, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's this famous story of uh, I think it was John F. Kennedy. Uh, I think, don't quote me on it, but. He went to NASA. He went to the Cape Canaveral, the NASA space station, right? Yeah. So he goes into the he goes into the bathroom or whatever, and there's a janitor, and the janitor is like cleaning. He's cleaning the you know the sinks and all that stuff, and he's like doing it really attentively, and he's like really you know absorbed in it. So John F. Kennedy is like you know he's like wow this janitor is like so into his job. So, so he goes up to the janitor and he says, um, like, you know, you're a janitor, you're a cleaner. Uh, what inspires you to be a cleaner? And he just looks straight back at John F. Kennedy and he says, I'm not cleaning bathrooms. I'm part of a team that's putting a man on the moon. Everyone, we're not talking about the moon landing right now. Um, but but so and then John F. Kennedy goes, Whoa! And then he says, This is a beautiful organization. Because in this organization, everyone is part of the mission. Mm. And even the person who's not on the front line feels as though they're part of you know contributing to that mission. Right. And I think that's what we kind of have to get to the point of doing in the Krishna consciousness movement where there will be some of the devotees who are out there handing a book to someone or speaking in front of a mic or, you know, leading a kirtan. And, and there's a whole bunch of devotees who are also part of that same mission uh, who may not be on that end of things, but who are as involved and as enthused and as concerned about the Krishna consciousness movement spreading. We used to have one brahmachari in the ashram and he never went out. He never left the ashram. Right. Every single day when the Sankirtan devotees would come back, he'd be like, how many books went out? And like, Tell me, who did you meet? Tell me a story. And he was like super enthused. Yeah. And, and I used to think like, He's the greatest Sankirtan devotee. He's just the greatest Sankirtan devotee because he's got the spirit, right. right? It doesn't matter that he's not leaving the building because he wants it to happen. He's concerned and he's enthused. So he's also part of the Sankirtan movement and it inspired us, you know? 
So I think it's just a matter of everyone finding their dharma, finding their place, and then everyone being like, yeah, part of a team that's, you know, bringing the world closer to um, the beautiful spiritual consciousness that's known as Krishna consciousness. Yeah. I, 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 that's really, really nice. I like that. It's kind of like a machine, like a little screw in a machine might outwardly seem like, oh, it's, you, you don't need it, but actually might be some really big part of the machine that makes the whole thing work. And if you don't have this, those certain things, so people even on the back end who are doing things to be part of the mission is, is also part of the mission. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. So, um, Sometimes I did a podcast, uh, gosh, it was like maybe a year ago or maybe more. No, it's more than a year ago now. But uh, we were talking about mission drift. Do you feel like, do you feel like that the mission is, is maybe drifting a little since the time of Srila Prabhupada? I mean, let's be real. It, it sort of is in some ways. And how do you deal with that? Being a being a leader in your community and everything, you have to have a certain outlook on things. Like you have to have a look very positive, you know, not to not to harp too much on negative parts of of the mission. But there's a little drift that you could say uh, that we could say, uh, you know. But how do you deal with that? Yeah, ISKCON is a big world, so it would be it'd be difficult to talk about ISKCON, you know, because every yatra, every temple, every right. community has its you own talk, yeah you want. can't put a blanket yeah you can't put a blanket on it but yeah. but yeah there could be a mission drift but what i would say okay before i talk about mission drift i think and maybe i've already talked a little bit about this but i'm kind of highlighting it that i feel the spirit drift is what we have to address first wow you know? spirit drift oh interesting yeah, spirit drift you know because Prabhupada, you know, Krishna consciousness, when Prabhupada set up the Krishna consciousness movement, um, he didn't really set it up as an institution, if you look at it. Srila Prabhupada set it up as a, um, as a movement, as, you know, uh, you know, an adventure, something that was growing, something that was moving with the times. When Prabhupada set up the Krishna consciousness movement, it wasn't about belief or faith, but it was about dynamically experiencing Krishna through spiritual science, you know. Um, so Srila Prabhupada set up ISKCON with a spirit of preaching, with a spirit of giving, with a spirit of um, sharing what we've been given. Um, and sometimes, I mean, we don't want to be negative and we don't want to be like, you know, put a downer on it. But uh, sometimes you look at the spirit of this, you know, the 60s and the 70s and you think like, wow, it's such a beautiful spirit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I love this. You can check it out on YouTube. There's this, you know, this song by uh, Mangalananda Prabhu, Lord Chaitanya's Moon is Rising. Oh, beautiful song, yeah. You know that song, right? It's yeah. It is this video on YouTube where this, like, he's singing that song. And I think the video is, like, a video of, like, Rati Yatra in, like, San Francisco in, like, I don't know, sometime in the 70s or something. Yeah. And I tell you, Namras, when I, when I see this video, it brings, like, I get emotional, you know. Yeah. Is it the one where Prabhupada's in the cart and he's like throwing 
roses or something or I think yeah, and Jan Anderprabhu is there. In oh, the okay, yeah. And there's this whole spirit. You just like Amazing. you know, we we're out there on the street, and we're telling everyone we meet that we're going home. You know, and it's just like <laughs> beautiful song. You know, it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. And I think, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's like we at least, uh, you know we were not able to see Srila Prabhupada like that, you know, see that time of ISKCON. And uh, sometimes people say like, you know, um, I, I don't know like how how much I'm in, like meditating on being in Goloka Vrindavan with Krishna and how much that captures my imagination necessarily. But the thought of being with Srila Prabhupada, you know, when he was just, here doing the mission, you know, manifesting Mahaprabhu's miracles and that spirit that he exuded. When you start thinking of being there in that time, you start getting excited. You think like, right. what would it be like to be live there on the ground with Srila Prabhupada, you know, who was exuding that spirit so much? And how can we recreate that? I don't know. Like, of course, we know Srila Prabhupada's Vani is there and he says the spiritual master lives forever in his instructions. But I've spoken to many Prabhupada disciples and um, and I'm sure you have also. And, you know, they, they say that there was just something special some, when, a, when, when a personality like that is on the, on the planet. Right. The, you know the the spirit that they're exuding is just uh, incredible. So somehow or other, I think first thing is the spirit drift, you know, um, and uh, the more devotees who you know can come together and really get infused to do something amazing for Srila Prabhupada and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then I think Krishna will start giving us the intelligence. Krishna will start giving us the. Uh, the insight and the you know the intuition uh, to know how and in what way to preach. Um, right. It sometimes feels when you look at how Srila Prabhupada spread the movement. I mean, he didn't really come with a business plan or a strategy. He was just absorbed, you know, and and Krishna was directing it all. And of course, Prabhupada later on did say organization and intelligence. So we do have to use our brains, but. When the spirit is there, you know, there's a transcendental dictation which is moving the movement. Um, so, yeah, and then mission drift, yeah, it, it's, it's possible. It's possible. Um, some of the mission drift, I think, may be because we have lost the spirit. Yeah. Some of the mission drift may be um, because we're experimenting. And we need to experiment in different ways. And someone may see an experiment and say, that's, that's mission drift. But we have to experiment because we have to find new ways in which to make Krishna consciousness relevant, powerful, and accessible to the masses. Um, so we have to experiment. Um, and some of mission drift, uh, it may be also historical. Like one, one thing I was thinking is that a key difference between the 60s and the 70s and now is just the demographics of ISKCON, right? Yeah. So like in the 60s and 70s, like 99% of the devotees lived in ashrams. 
Right. And nowadays, 99% of the devotees don't live in ashrams. They live out there um, in society and they have responsibilities and they have, you know, things to cater for. And, and so how to rediscover the missionary spirit, how to again come onto that cutting edge um, spirit of giving while living in the world, um, that's what we have to now kind of rediscover. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I always think about this, that like when you were saying how, how do we rediscover that spirit that was there? Like I can, I can accept that those, that spirit can, cannot come back. Like it, it, it is, are we, is my life going to continue just to be like, I'm so unfortunate that I wasn't born during that time of the seventies and, and it was really a nice time. And, now we have to deal with what we're dealing right now and and it's not gonna it's not gonna come back what do you think about that like it are we gonna have that same kind of enthusiasm again or or we're we just gonna have to deal with what we were working with now you know or what was that in Bhaktivinoda Thakur's writings he has this uh, beautiful verse where he says um adhya piha leela kaha roi kona kona bhagyavan deki boy he says uh, the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are going on even today. Mm. Uh, but where is that fortunate person? Uh, only the fortunate people will be able to see. Um, Mahaprabhu's pastimes are going on. There's this pastime of like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur where he just like, he, he's in Navadvip or somewhere close to Navadip. And in the middle of the night, he just like, he wakes up and he just says, uh, Goranga's here, Mityananda's here, the Sankirtan party is passing by. And, and you're like, it's like in the middle of the night, everyone wakes up. And everyone's looking around like, where is it? We, we don't see anything, you know? And, he's, right. and then he looks around and everyone says, didn't you see? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And did say that ISKCON is the, you know, or the, you know, the Gaudiya mission going on is the latest chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Wow. You know, we all experience miracles. Mahaprabhu's movement is a movement of miracles. Um, I, I kind of, I'm sure you have, I have also little, you know, mir miraculous things happen. When oh, totally, you, yeah. You yeah. know, um, like just to share one story. Please, yeah, please. Sankirtan story, you know. Like once I was traveling on Sankirtan and then on my phone, um, I got like uh, 20 missed calls on one number, right? So I tried to, I thought, my God, 20 missed calls. So I, I called the number back and the person didn't pick up. But I thought, this person called me 20 times. It must be something important. So what I did is I saved the number in my phone as A. So it was just like the first number on my phone book. And I thought I'll ring them later on. Right. One year passed and I forgot about it, but that number was still on my phone. Right. One year later, I'm getting ready to go out on Sankirtan. I'm getting my phone together and somehow or other, I accidentally called that number. So I'm looking at my phone and I'm thinking, oh my God, that was from like a year ago. So I, I, I listen and it's ringing. 
but I thought anyway, I'm just going to put this down. That that chapter's gone, right? Yeah, yeah. So it rang, but I put it down. That day, I decided to go on Sankirtan to a town I've never been for. It's near Oxford. So I'm going, I, I reach the town, I'm distributing, distributing. 12 o'clock in the middle of the day, one guy comes up to me. And, he, and he's like completely interested, like a book distributor's dream. He's like, I want one of every single book. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We can supply it, no problem. So he takes all the books, gives, you know, kind donation. And then he walks off and then he comes back to me. And he says, you know what? It's amazing you should stop me today. I say, why? He said, because a Hare Krishna called me this morning. No, 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 no. That yeah. can't be real. So I go, so it didn't click to me. I said, oh, who is it? Maybe I know them. Maybe I know who it is, you know, like. So he, he gets his phone out and he goes to his phone and he goes, uh, Sutapa. <laughs> I'm about to faint, yeah? I'm about to faint on the street. And I go, oh, that's me. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm like, no, that's me. And like, I'm showing him my ID card. I'm like, no, no, that's me. And then it clicked to me. And then I went on my phone and I, I went to A and I called, I said, is this your number? He said, that's my number. He looks at me and he goes, how did you get my number? I looked at him and I go, how did you get my number? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then he said, one year ago, I was getting interested in the Bhagavad Gita. So one of my friends, he was going to a program in Northampton that I was doing at that time. So he said, one of my friends told me to get in touch with a monk. That was me, because he can get you a Gita. So he goes, yeah, one year ago, I called this monk 20 times, but he never answered my call. <laughs> Goodness. Can you imagine one year later, I call that number randomly. I go to a town I've never been before in my life. And out of the tens of thousands of people in that town, I stopped that very person that I accidentally called that morning. That is unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's like these things happen. And then you think like, uh, and I've seen it in the lives of devotees. When you reach out, you know, um, Kaviraj Goswami says, um, Chaitanya Charitamrita, he says, uh, Shri Krishna Chaitanya Daya Karahavichar Vichar Karite Chitip Babechamatkar. If you have intelligence, if you if you think you're intelligent, try to apply your intelligence to the mercy and the magic of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you will not be able to fathom it. It will go beyond. These are the miracles that and I see it in devotees' lives. I see even around me today. I see devotees doing unthinkable things. You know, devotees connecting with people, you know, achieving things for Krishna, you know, um, just uh, spreading the messages in amazing ways. And you just think this is all empowerment. So Prabhupada's times were special, um, no doubt. Um, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement and Prabhupada's spirit can live on. I, I, I feel that, uh, and you get some glimpse of it. Um, but it means we have to reach out. It means we have to uh, 
we have to take a risk. We have to be courageous. We have to kind of put ourselves out there a bit. Um, and then you kind of get into that kind of transcendental energy where kind of miracles begin manifesting. That's that's insane. And did you say did you say that Prabhupada said that the ISKCON movement that's happening or the Gaudiya mission that's happening right now is another chapter of uh, Lord Chaitanya's pastimes? Yeah, it's, the, it's the latest chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita because Mahaprabhu's pastimes are going on. It's going on now. Is uh, is happening, and and the movement was full of miracles. You know, you see it in Mahaprabhu's times. There are miracles happening now as we speak. There's miraculous things happening. Devotees are, you know, devotees are incredible. They're just doing such special things, you know, and uh, and you can imagine there's going to be, you know, so much more. I remember when I joined as a brahmachari, like uh, I don't know, you may have met Shruti Dharma. Of course, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, you must have met him, yeah. So, yeah. You know, again, it was one of those situations where the devotees were hunting you down, you know, to pin you down, you know, like, join, join, you know, yeah, in a nice way. And uh, again, I thought to myself, yeah, these, you know, these guys want me, you know, they, they you know, they, they've seen some potential in me, you know. <laughs> I had a little pride, you know, and I still do. Um but then one day he just came to me and he and he and he said something which just like it shattered me and it inspired me. He he just came to me and he said, you know what? This movement is gonna go on. This movement is full of magic, miracles, and the most mystical things that you can imagine. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen whether you join or whether you don't join. The question is. Do you want to be part of it? Wow. And so it was like, it was shattering because he like just killed my ego. But then <laughs> it was like, no, no, but I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to be on board. Like, sign me up. I'm, I'm, I want to be in it, you know? Right. So I think it is, it is, uh, it's a movement of miracles and, uh, you know, beautiful things happen. Um, I feel like, you know, um, I had the fortune, as you did, to be in Vrindavan many times. I had the fortune to serve the deities. I had the fortune to be in the presence of many exalted Vaishnavas. But still, I have to say that my most magical, mystical, moving, memorable experiences in spiritual life have been while giving Krishna consciousness or trying to give Krishna consciousness to others. Wow. Because you, Krishna just becomes so active. Krishna just becomes so present. Mahaprabhu just, you know, is there. He's communicating with you. you know, like a few, a few years ago, we were doing this marathon and we were trying to um, encourage the do uh, devotees to visit 50,000 homes in like one month, you know, and try and share Krishna consciousness with people. Um, and it came to like the last three days and we had only done 20,000 houses. And so we came up with this idea like, okay, three days, 30,000 houses. Let's get everyone out there. And so we came out with this plan and I was on Canva. You know Canva where you like make up the posters online? I don't know if you know it. Right, right. Yeah. So I was making this little advert, you know, like 30,000 doors, three days, we need everyone on board. And I was writing it up and I was just thinking, come on, this is not going to work. It's obviously not going to work. I was just being really negative. 
And then I was, what happens with that Canva is that once you've made the poster, it kind of, you download it and it takes some time to generate it. Yeah. And while it's generating, a quote pops up. So I finished this poster. I'm really negative. I'm like, oh, no, this is never going to happen. And then I thought, anyway, let me just download it. So I downloaded it. And as I was downloading it, this quote popped up by like Nelson Mandela. And it was like, everything in life seems impossible until the moment you actually do it. And I was like, whoa. That's a sign, you know, that's a sign. <laughs> so I thought, then I got inspired. I thought, okay, let's do it. Let's try it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then we did it. You know, we did like 30, 33,000 homes in three days, you know? My um, goodness. Sometimes I like what you said about the, um, the magical, the, the chamat cars that we kind of, sometimes, sometimes we, we we come across so many of these kind of astonishing moments that it becomes like it becomes like kind of um we take it for granted like we don't even see it sometimes because it's so it's so much a part of like krishna consciousness just feeling a feeling or you might get from doing a spiritual activity or meeting a spiritual person or sharing krishna consciousness and uh i think we have to really remember that these are actually astonishing events that don't happen to everyone. It's because we're involved in this, uh, you know, mission that these things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, we take it for granted is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it is like, um, I remember I used to, uh, I, I remember the first time I saw book distributors, I was like 15 years old and I went to the bank with my dad. And uh, he was doing something at the cash point. And then I was just sitting down and through the through the doors, because I was reading the Gita at that time, I was 15. And then I, I saw two book distributors on the street. And um, I just saw them getting rejected, rejected. Right. And I became very emotional. I just, I looked at them and I thought, these people are saints. Look at them. They're just standing on the street trying to help people. They're saints. Um, and I had that very strong feeling. And, uh, and I thought I'd, I, I, I pray that I'd be able to do something a little bit like them in the future, you know. And, and I always found like later on when I was doing book distribution, sometimes I would just sit on the side and just watch book distributors, like interact with people. Yeah. And you know, you know, like, you know, these like, you know, like nice karate moves in a nice way, a few charming words, and you know, just connect people. Um, and I could just watch, sit there all day watching book distributors because it was actually a very mystical thing. Mm. When you're doing it, you just kind of think like, oh, it's a little twenty seconds, a little bit of a joke, a bit of a cheeky remark, you know, and you know, get get the book over and it's all done and. We just sold a book, but actually something very profound is going on in that interaction, you know? Um, and, uh, and yeah, you're right. Sometimes we don't appreciate that. We don't. Um, yeah. What would you say to like, it's, it's, you know, for you and all the devotees who live in the temple, it's like something that 
like can immediately you can be connected with you know the mission and sharing Christian consciousness. But like someone like me or or, or a grahasta who has children and a, and a home to maintain, it might be a little bit difficult to make that connection the same way that we were able to when we were in the ashram. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah. The first, the first thing I would say is um, sharing Krishna consciousness doesn't, it, it, it can just become part of your day-to-day -day life, right? Like the day-to-day -day mm. activities. <laughs> I remember when, when, I, when I first went out with the Sankirtan devotees and then we got to the petrol station, right? So um, in the UK, you have to get out and put it in yourself. So... <laughs> So they, you know, I was the youngest guy. So I, like, all right, you get out, put put it in, right? Yeah. So when I put it in, they said, "How much?" Uh, so I put in sixty pounds into the tank, sixty pounds of fuel. And then the devotee came to me and he goes, "One pence more, one pence." I go, "No, no, but sixty pounds." I got sixty pounds. He goes, "No, one pence more." So I was like, "Okay." So then I just kind of tipped it, and then it went like sixty pounds and one pence. And then I went into the cashier and obviously I only had 60 pounds. So I, I gave 60 and he didn't charge for the one penny. So I came back to the, I go, why did you tell me to put the extra penny on? He goes, they're not going to charge you for the extra penny, but by them not charging you for that extra penny, they've donated one penny of petrol to the Sankirtan movement. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> like these these they think in a different way you know yeah because the spirit is there the spirit is always a spirit of how can we give mercy yeah and and what occurred to me was that you know we can just be carriers of mercy in our day-to-day -day life if we if we want to be you know um you know you go you're going out every day you're meet like Mahaprabhu told the Kurma Brahmana, whoever you meet, whoever you see, um, even if you don't tell them about Krishna, can you do something to like inspire some Krishna magic in their life? Just a small thing, you know, like spike their drink with like maha water or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? like just find a way. So I think the first thing I would say for those devotees who are living in the community or not able to, is just look at it as part of your life. Don't look at it as a special activity that you have to make necessarily time for. Right. First, just look at your immediate opportunities. You have so many opportunities, right? And then what I would say is then outside of that, um, we do have time, most of us, if we, if we find a, a love for it, a taste for it, an inspiration for it. Right. Grace uh, Vaisheshika Prabhu has been able to like, yeah, I think he's been on your podcast. Like he's mobilized so many devotees, right? Like yeah. this small temple, Iskon Silicon Valley, which has maybe two or three brahmacharis, is like wiping out all the other temples and he's yeah. just engaging them. Um devotional service is Apratihata, it's uninterrupted, and uh Mahaprabhu's movement is so beautiful that. Um, it can never be interrupted in any given situation, you know, um, it goes on. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, number one, again, coming back to the spirit 
having the spirit and letting that pervade our day-to-day -day interactions. And then, yeah, finding time and finding ways and means and, yeah. If you, you'll find time for things that you feel are important, even if some, someone, may, someone may say, oh, I don't have time, but maybe that's, it's not important to them. But if you do find importance in something, you'll make time for it usually. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, it's life. It becomes life. It's not work. You see? Yeah. Like, like you know, I'm giving a lot, I'm just talking a lot about book distribution because that's like, I guess a lot of the frontline mission that I've, um, experienced and right and maybe later on we can talk about book distribution and talk about another reason why preaching spirit may have gone down which is also preaching done badly um and uh, sure, yeah we can that, but, but just one thing on book distribution like uh yeah pe people also you know they see book distributors and they see how they're you know other people who are working on the street you know, they see there's a special kind of thing around a book distributor so I remember I once came into this town and, uh, you know, the devotees must have been there on the day before. And this one charity worker or someone came up to, to me and he said, yeah, your guys were in town yesterday. They were just cleaning up, you know, they were just making money left, right and center. So I was like, no, 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 we're not. We're monks. We don't make money. We're, we're, we're trying to share knowledge. He goes, no, no, I saw them. They were selling all these books and they were just like, you know, how much do you guys get paid? And I was like, no, 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 we're monks. We don't, you know, this is not a job. He goes, no, 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 I, I want to work for you. And I tried <laughs> to explain to him. And then, I said, and then I just said to him, I said, this is not work. This is our life. And, and it was a really nice conversation because I was giving myself a pep talk by preaching to him in the day. Right, right. This is life. This is not work. I'm not out here to do a job. I'm out here because it's an expression of love. I'm, I'm actually trying to help people and connect with them heart to heart. And I think, um, yeah, when we see preaching like that, that it's not a job, it's not work, it's, um, it, it's such a beautiful thing. It's the, it's the best way to connect to people. Um, it's the best way to have relationship. It's the it's the most intimate way in which to contact Krishna. Um, then then you start seeing it in a different way. Wow! Like wow. we used to have one Sankirtan leader, and he used to come in, and his pep talk was like he used to get everyone in a, uh, a circle, and he was like, "All right, guys, I'm gonna go out. You know, work now." Samadhi later. <laughs> it was one of those talks, you know. Right. And I appreciated it. It was nice. It instilled in me a spirit of duty, you know. Right. But then we had another Sankirtan devotee, and he used to get everyone together, and he used to be like, all right, guys, today we're going to enter Gora Leela. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow. Like, I connected with his speech a little bit more, you know. It was kind right. of like, yeah, right. that, that, that sounds exciting. You know, so I think when we begin to see it as an adventure, as an excitement, as something which, you know, we're going to go out there and, and something Mahaprabhu is going to do is going to be amazing. It just becomes a transcendental drama. Mm. Prabhupada uses those words. He says it's a transcendental drama. Yeah. I really love that story about that gas station. What, the extra yeah. one pence. Uh, we were taught something similar that... 
<clears throat> like when you would go and, and distribute books, you would, um, you would, uh, you know, say here, here you go, sir. But, and you'd kind of like touch the Gita to the, like to them. Yeah, yeah, and then the devotee told me like, if they even touch the Gita, they will get some spiritual benefit. So try to touch it to them and stuff. So that's like a, a similar thing. Um, Another question I have is, do you feel like sometimes devotees get too caught up in like the numbers of things? Like, for example, you know, you were saying, oh, we want to hit 50,000 homes or we want to hit like, but, but then it becomes like, like when you're in those last days of meeting that goal, it becomes more about meeting that goal than maybe perhaps the, the spirit of it. Perhaps uh, Prabhupada's great genius was that he was someone who just was thinking big. Right. But who was just so focused on the individual at the same time. It's unfathomable. Yeah, you know, like Prabhupada's like the Acharya, you know. So there's this one story where he's in a temple and there's a Guru Puja going on. So you can imagine like hundreds of devotees and they're like jay Prabhupada, there's a guru puja arti going on and it's yeah. just like this whole fear fanfare of guru worship going on and then this one devotee comes to the front and i don't know she's got like some kind of cold or she has some fact thing on her hand and Prabhupada's like calls her over in the middle of this like rousing guru puja and is like you know what's that how did that happen to you? Okay, try this Ayurvedic medicine. Use this much of this, this much of that, right in the middle of this, like, you know, completely off the wall Guru Puja. And it was just amazing that Prabhupada was just so connected to the individual. Mm. Yeah, it's like, um, so Prabhupada wanted numbers. He wanted, he was thinking big. Prabhupada was a big thinker. You know, Tribhuvanath Prabhu tells this story of how uh, Prabhupada was driving past Buckingham Palace. And then one of the devotees goes, Oh, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you know, one of the Queen's gods, he's become a devotee. One of the Queen's gods become the devotee. And Prabhupada just looks back at him and says, Oh, and what about the Queen? <laughs> <laughs> Did that really happen? He was like inspired, like one of the queen's gods. That's big, you know. Yeah. Prabhupada's like, what about the queen? Right. He he was thinking big. Yeah. So Prabhupada was driving numbers. He wanted to give out as much mercy as possible. And therefore, we do find statements. Prabhupada is saying, you know, when I hear the numbers, I feel like a you know a young child again. Right. Because Prabhupada wasn't just hearing, and it wasn't just thirty thousand. He was connected to the faces behind that as well. Mm. For him, that was, you know, like sometimes when you hear Sankirtan numbers, I don't know how you feel, but, you know, sometimes we have a marathon festival and they're going through a list of like 100 devotees and calling out everyone's score. And after about 10 devotees, you're just thinking, like, oh, my God, like just 10 books, five books, six Lakshmi points, five books. You, get, you kind of get tired of it because you just think right. it's just a number. But what occurred to me is that for Prabhupada, it wasn't just a number. It, he was connecting with the faces behind that number. Mm. And, and so he had this sense of thinking big, but being very attentive to the individual. And what becomes a danger is when we think big, 
but we lose the care for the individual. Um, and so I guess one thing that I've tried to do just to balance that is I'm not a big missionary. I'm not a big project because I'd love to do something big for Prabhupada, but whatever kind of projects I could do, uh, which were kind of semi-big or whatever, I always try to balance it with very personal services of also trying to contribute to an individual. Because then I found that when I did the more bigger overarching services, I did it with more heart. And it wasn't just a managerial thing or just a numbers thing, but I was connecting to the human story behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I think uh, you're right. You know, there is a danger with just pushing numbers. That's why we also have to be very connected to the individual as well. Um who's experiencing that being on the receiving end of that mercy and what they experience. And, and then it, it adds more meaning to the bigger things with numbers. I don't know if that makes sense. But. No, it does. It does make sense. I, I like that. I like the saying, you know, pr project the, you know, people over projects, you know, yeah. take care of the devotees and then those projects will have much more meaning. Like you're yeah. saying, you know, you, you try to do those things in parallel. I think that's really important. Um, uh, something I find fascinating is that the manner they, it, you have all these like really big goals to do things, but like when you're in like a corporate setting, you have like someone at the top who's like, who's like, okay, uh, we, here's the vision and this, you guys have to meet this. But for, for, for devotees, it has to like come from inside. Like no one's telling you like, you got to meet this goal by this year or else, you know, we're going to fire you. It's not like that. So what, what's that, what is that kind of inspiration to make these like really big, amazing goals, per, you know, particularly there at the manor, because I know you, there's this, there's these initiatives and they're really, um, they're really amazing. And they're really, you know, really large scale. Yeah. Prabhupada, uh, uh, Prabhu has his place is called Silicon Valley and that's yeah. ISP yeah. and Prabhupada's, uh, formula for managers was also ISV. And he said, uh, um, the service, the spirit of service, the spirit of mission is individual, spontaneous, and voluntary. Mm -hmm. um, and I think whenever you're leading anything, especially in the Krishna consciousness movement, it, you got to realize it's individual, it's spontaneous, and it's voluntary. Right. Um, we can't intimidate, we can't force. I think we also tried to do that in the past, you know, where we tell devotees to be part of the mission because if you don't, you're in Maya and look at the <laughs> mountain of Prabhupada quotes, you know, yes. just get all the, you know, Prabhupada Brahmastra quotes out, you know, violate <laughs> someone's, uh, you know, uh, Maya. But sometimes it doesn't work, you know. Um, yeah. So we have to inspire and we have to, as I said, it's kind of that <clears throat> shift between work now, Samadhi later, and going more towards, you know what, this is, uh, if we all do this together, we're going to experience something beautiful in that um, joint effort to serve Srila Prabhupada. We're going to see Srila Prabhupada smile. Yeah. Um, and, and I think devotees have it within them. Although you, I think you've mentioned that sometimes the, the spirit may not be there. I think the devotees have the spirit. 
um, when we go in front of Prabhupada, we do feel challenged, you know. I, I, I remember there's one Prabhupada disciple here, Kishore Prabhu, and uh, I asked him one time, like, what do you feel like on Prabhupada's appearance day or his disappearance day? And, uh, and he looked at me and he said, I just feel challenged. Mm. I feel challenged that I need to do more. I need to be more. I need to give more. Wow. I need to reciprocate more. Um, I love that. And, and so it's there within us. It's such a, you know, Kadamba Maharaj talks about in Vrindavan Prabhupada's disappearance day. And maybe you have been in, the, in Prabhupada's room at that time you know, the time when Prabhupada, you know, left the world. Right. And he says, uh, um, often on that day, Gopal Krishna Maharaj brings Prabhupada's chada that he was wearing um, at that time. And he comes around the room and he puts it on everyone's head. And Kadamakana Maharaj says, when that chada comes on your head, you feel the heavyweight expectation of Srila Prabhupada. Wow. You know? Pra guru means heavy. Prabhupada was a heavy guru. He had a heavy mission and he had a heavy expectation and he had heavy dreams for what Krishna consciousness would become. And, and not in a bad way, in, not in a burdensome way, but a burden of love. It's there within us. We feel challenged. We feel. And I think what we need to do is just, number one, inspire devotees to do it. Um, and number two, which is also very important, is facilitate them to do it. Mm -hmm. Because you know what I found is like, for example, we tell devotees like, this should be books, this should be books, this should be books. But then how much have we actually walked through that experience with them and said like, all right, guys, we're all going to go out together and this is how you can do it. And, you know, we'll do it together for one day. You know, then they feel more empowered to do it. Right. Still a lot of the time, what we do in the Krishna consciousness movement is we tell people what to do, but we may not necessarily equip them in terms of how they can do it. Right. And leadership means inspiration, education, and facilitation. You've got to facilitate them as well. And, you know, someone like Vaisheshi Kapoor, that's why, you know, he has so much success because he inspires and he facilitates, you know. He does it himself all the time. He does it himself. He's such a, and that's such an important point, isn't it? Yeah. Like that, you know, you trust the leader who's out there on the, you know, on the front lines with you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. So you said ISV inspiration. Individual, spontaneous, and voluntary. Yeah. Right, right. I like that a lot. Um, let's let's look at the comment section. So our, for our listeners, um, we're going to take questions. So if you have any questions, please please put it in the comments. Uh, let's start here um, from our old friend. You know Shantavigraha Prabhu. Yeah, Shantavigraha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Shantavigraha Prabhu, our old friend. Definitely when we are absorbed in Krishna consciousness, our material problems become manageable. But is there an instance when we use Krishna consciousness as an excuse for not taking proper care of our material duties. Yeah, Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita how there's a renunciation in different modes. And he says when we uh, renounce something because it's difficult or because it's troublesome, um, then that's kind of renunciation in the lower modes. And so sometimes we may uh, 
become detached or become renounced and then use Krishna consciousness or use um, our spiritual inspirations as like an excuse for that. Um, I think what one thing that I've kind of meditated and spoke to devotees more about, and it probably needs more churning, is that I think what we need to do is try as much as possible when you're living as grihastas to live an integrated life. And what I mean by an integrated life is a life in which your material duties are contributing to your spiritual life. And your spiritual things are contributing to doing your material things well. Um, Can you give an example of that? So like, say, for example, um, and, and it's, a, it's a situation that you have to create. But say, for example, your job, your career. If you can somehow find a career in which you're able to earn money and, um, and maintain your household, but at the same time, through that career, you're able to do service, you're able to contribute to the Krishna consciousness movement, and you're able to gain certain things that are um, that can be used in the service of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then it's much easier to become inspired about your career because you don't just think, oh, I'm just here to earn money. And, uh, and the real service that I'm going to do is when, I, you know, when I'm out of hours. So it's not always easy, but I think your work life, your family life, your kind of day-to-day -day spare time, the things you do in your spare time, you know, you need to take a holiday with the family. You know, that's part of material duty. Um, but why not take a holiday in a spiritual way um, and in that way contribute to your spiritual life? So it's about integrating and bringing the material and the spiritual together as much as possible. Right. Here's another question, I think, along the same lines. Another thought, can we use the giving of Krishna consciousness to others as a substitute for giving Krishna consciousness to ourselves? Should there be a balance or can the mood and act of giving compensate for our own lacking? Great point. I like that point. Really good point. Really good point. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a type of preaching that we do when we're preaching because we have a natural inspiration and it's an outpouring. Right. Overflow and overflowing. An overflow, distribution yeah. of overflow. Yeah. And I think there's a type of preaching where we do, where we're doing it and we know that we're not 100% feeling it, but we're thinking, I'll do this and I'll get purified through it. And then I think there's a third type of preaching where we're preaching and we're trying to get results because those results will then make up for the internal vacuum that we're experiencing in our own spiritual development. So having a number of a project that you did makes, makes up for your inner lacking of spiritual development and, and, and you think I'm doing good in Krishna consciousness, but actually your preaching is just being used as a substitute for your spiritual vacuum. And that's mm -hmm. dangerous. Um, right. because it's not sustainable. Right. Um, Prabhupada said all of your service and all of your responsibilities um, and all of your preaching work, if you don't have good hearing and chanting, then eventually it will become a big burden. Um, wow. So, you know, Sanatan Goswami, he glorifies Haridas Thakur. He says, 
अचार प्रचार करह करह दुई करिया तुमी सर्व गुरु तुमी जगतेर आरिया he says some people have very very good achar personal practice but they don't do prachar they don't preach and some people prachar they preach but they don't uh, they're not developing themselves but you haridas you have both therefore tumi sarva guru tumi you're the uh, spiritual master of all the worlds wow so um yeah achar and prachar have to go hand in hand you know um that's a great point about Haridas Thakur. It, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever went to the Govardhan Palace. Did you ever go there to the, the place where they do BBT? Uh, yeah. yeah, sure, you, sure. You, yeah. You've been to that, right? Yeah. So when Gopi Paranadam Prabhu used to, was there, um, in his room, he used to have this uh, quote of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And... Um, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to remember that quote now. I think I know what you're talking about. You know the quote. You know, if your inside and outside is not the same, then uh, close the door you know. and go preach to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just such a profound. Uh, Madhavananda yeah. Prabhu posted it a little while ago, and I and I love that quote. Beautiful quote. That's yeah, right. I'd like to find that again. Yeah, I'll just show you. It's here. Yeah. He says, uh, on the quote, it says, Do not hear from the mouths of persons lacking proper conduct. If your conduct is below par, you should not publicly preach about the Lord. Close the door and preach to yourself. Bhajan really begins when one's outside and inside are the same. <laughs> Just like wow. I mean, when you hear that, you think, all right, guys, just pack it all up now. Let's go back to the deep bag, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as I said, there's that second type of preaching where you're aware yeah. that, you know, I'm not fully experiencing Krishna consciousness, but I'm preaching and I'm developing. And I think that middle space is still genuine, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think um, Shantavigraha is right, you know, when we get into that place where it's a substitute, your preaching becomes a substitute for your own internal development. Mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe that's connected to what we, what we kind of touched on before about how perhaps a lot of the reason why devotees may be about a bit reticent about preaching or sharing Krishna consciousness is because <clears throat> perhaps it was done uh, not in a balanced way, you know, in the past. Right. Right. Uh, we damaged people out there by being overzealous and insensitive and um, just just not acting as a gentleman and gentle ladies. And uh, probably maybe preaching was also done in a disproportionate way and it harmed people's own spiritual life, you know. Mm. Um, and so like that leaves some scars, you know, and then we think like when you think of the word I do know devotees who would never go out on book distribution again. Because yeah, I'm sort of like that. Yeah, yeah, because it was just, it was maybe forced or it was maybe too much or it just, yeah, it, it doesn't leave good memories, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to get over that somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely something, uh, it's not just uh, doing it, but it's doing it in the right way. Um, and doing it with love and yeah one thing one devotee once said to me which really kind of shifted 
the way I operate it is he said, uh, you love to preach, but do you love the people you're preaching to? Mm. And uh, it was kind of a simple point, but it was just like, I started thinking like, yeah, I love to preach, but do I love the people I'm preaching to? Uh, because there's a vast, there's a sea of difference between that. Um, yeah, that's not something that we're taught. We're taught when we're, I mean, at least I wasn't when we went on book distribution, like kind of these like really nuanced points about how, what your mindset should be like when you're approaching someone or, you know, that's, that's some, that's important because that's how, you know, your outcome is going to be according to like wh what you're thinking and what your motivations are. Or if your motivation is just, you know, I want to tell my Bhakta leader that I did 20 Bhagavad Gita's or was it that I, I, I need to connect with 20 people and, and at the same time really care about these people because the main point is that we're trying to connect people with Krishna and, and, and not just the numbers or not just how many books go out. So very important point. Yeah, I really like that. Okay. Um, another friend of ours. I don't know, like uh, just one beautiful story Ramai Swami tells. Sure, said, sure. Uh, <clears throat> Prabhupada was in Australia, and in Australia, things are miles apart. So when they wanted to go out on a morning walk, uh, you know, six o'clock in the morning, they would have to drive Prabhupada to the park. So they had to take a motorway to get to the park. <laughs> wow. so, um, so they got on the motorway at six o'clock. <clears throat> and there was a traffic jam. So Prabhupada's sitting in the back. Prabhupada looks at his watch and he looks at Ramai Swami and he says, there's a traffic jam? It's six o'clock in the morning. Why is there a traffic jam? So Ramai Swami looks at Prabhupada and he says, Prabhupada, in Australia, people live so far away from their workplace that they have to often drive for two hours, <clears throat> spend a whole day at work, and then come back two hours later, sit in the truck. Prabhupada's hearing all of this. <clears throat> and Ramai Swami looks at Prabhupada and he sees uh, a teardrop fall from Prabhupada. And Prabhupada says, they're working so hard. But for what? Wow. And uh, one of the devotees was reflecting that, you know, we, we, could, we would look out of the car and say, you know, Thank God it's not me, you know. <laughs> right, right. Thank God I escaped that life, you know. Like, thank God I found, you know, a better way to live. But Prabhupada was looking at it and he was just, he exuded that such compassion. Mm. <clears throat> it's reminded so, me of that story of when <clears throat> Prabhupada was on a walk and he saw some old men golfing and he probably said, what are they doing? And they said, Prabhupada, they're golfing. It's like a game. And he started to... He started to cry or was really upset. You know, they're just waste. This is like the end of their life and they're just like wasting it playing a game. Yeah. So he was really affected by, you know, seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Nanda Gopal Prabhu has a question. When you get into preaching, magic happens. Sutta Prabhu, please share your most magical personal experience when preaching Krishna consciousness. I know you shared something. I don't think anything can top that, but <laughs> if you could share something else, I'm sure you have. All some. kinds of things happen, you know, like humorous things happen, deep emotional things happen. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't always have to even be something um, amazing that happens. It's just a moment where you connect with someone. 
Yeah. You know, like I've been on the street and I've stopped someone and, and we just enter a really deep conversation. And it's almost like the whole world stops around you. And it's just you and this person. And it's very, very like an emotional thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess many stories are there. Like another story on book distribution is uh, um, <laughs> once we were in a place called Norwich. So uh, I was distributing books and I was having a really hard time. Um, and, you know, in my mind, I was thinking like, there's so many people out here and I just want to preach to all of them. And I want to just give all of them the message. I can't even give one book out or three books out. I, I want to preach in a mass way. So this thought was going on in my mind. And I was thinking, even I shouldn't even be out here on the street because even if it is working, I'm only giving one book at a time. I want to preach to everyone. And here I am, I can't even give one book out. Anyways, I'm having such a hard time. So what I decided to do um, is start doing American accents, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's one of those confessions. I, you know, my American accent isn't that good, you know. But I started talking to people and I was like, hey, yo, how's it going, man? I'm from Miami. I'm just here to, like, give out some books on meditation. And, like, you know. Oh, my goodness. Like, That's halfway through my speech, I'm going into, like, British English and then American because I can't hold it. But anyway, <laughs> I just had to break my mental block. Sure, sure. So I'm doing these American accents and I stop someone. Right, and I'm like, yo, I'm from Miami. But anyway, so I'm speaking to this guy, and like, so he gets really interested. So I continue speaking in this American accent, and he's and he's asking good questions. Now it's like five minutes into the conversation, and you know, my mouth is getting a bit dry because I'm doing this artificial accent. But in my mind, I'm thinking I can't go into a British accent now because he's just gonna think I'm fake. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I can't change it now. He won't trust me. So I'm just like, I have to carry on. So I have this half an hour discussion with him as an American monk. He takes the books. And then he comes to me and he pulls out his business card. And he goes, um, I work for BBC Norwich. The broadcasting, BBC Norwich. And he goes, you're the most interesting person I've met today. I want you to come on my radio show tomorrow morning. And I got the recording of this, by the way. <laughs> he says, I want you to come on my radio show tomorrow morning. I'm like, I'm a, it was bad enough speaking to this guy on the street for half an hour and as, as a monk from Miami. And now I'm going to have to go on public radio and be a monk from Miami with this guy who's going to, you know, like you're interviewing me. So the next morning I went on to this BBC in Norwich and there I was, you know, the monk. No, you spoke an accent? Yeah, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had no choice. I had no choice. Wow. So here I was on BBC Radio Norwich, the monk from Miami. And then I was just going back because just before I had stopped him, in my mind, I was thinking, Krishna, I want to speak to the masses. I don't want to just yeah. And there it was. Krishna just reciprocated, you know. So that yeah, is yeah. That's an amazing story. Wow. Wow. Yeah, all these different things happen and um 
Yeah, Mahaprabhu just becomes so uh, active, you know, it's just, a, it's, a it's a beautiful feeling. That's amazing. Question, when marrying the mission and we renounce certain relationships like friends, family, or even the day job, what important factors should we consider before diving deep within ourselves? Yeah, I, I think just that marrying the mission, I think one thing we just have to clarify is that your friends, your family, um, and even your day job can be also be part of the mission. Integration. Yeah, integration, you know. Like I was once doing, I was doing a talk a few months ago and I asked everyone like, um, put your hand up if you had an argument with someone in the last week. And, um, and so some people put their hand up and said, put, an, put your hand up if you had an argument with a Vaishnava in the last week. Um, and, and, and one person didn't put his hand up. And I said, you didn't have an argument with any devotee? You know, in the last week, he goes, No, I, I had an argument with my wife, but no devotees. <laughs> like I'm like, Your wife's a devotee. How can you say? He goes, No, that's my wife. You, know, you asked me if I had an argument with a devotee. Right. Like, your wife's a devotee. So it was just an interesting point because, you know, sometimes we just think family, mundane, job, mundane, you know, this, mundane. Yeah. yeah. In that sphere, that's part of the mission. Yeah. It's part of the mission of, um, you know, sharing Krishna consciousness. Charity begins at home as well. So when I'm talking about, you know, there's, there's also a stereotyped image of the mission, you know, like, um, you know, the, the, the orange Sankitan van, you know, arrives in the middle of the town and then the doors open and like 25 Hare Krishnas jump out, you know, and, they do they blitz the town you know it's like yeah. a mission right um the mission most simply is to bring um however many people we can closer to krishna you may preach you know it's nice in the chaitanya charitamrita um, mahaprabhu gives different instructions to different individuals so what he says to shrivas thakur shrivas is disappearing today he says my instruction to you is go back to navadvip and hold kirtans in your house every single day. And then he says to Advaita Acharya, my instruction to you is go back to Navadvip and Shantipur and share Krishna consciousness there. And Nityananda Prabhu, my instruction to you is to go into Bengal and share Krishna consciousness there. And it's such a beautiful thing because it's not like, oh, Nityananda is on the mission, but Srivas is just doing kirtan in his home. No, it's all part of the mission. Right, um, right. So we only have to find our realm. So, so when we're talking about marrying the mission, let's not make the mistake of, you know, perhaps maybe some of the problems previously in our movement where the mission was so stereotyped that the things which were closer to home that are also part of the mission maybe right. got neglected. <clears throat> Great point. Okay, here we go. Um, forgive me, forgive the question. Maybe it's too personal, but I'm curious what Sutipa Das's family is thinking about his decision. I wanted to know that too. It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, naturally, for your, you know, I, I tried Mahaprabhu's line on my mother, you know, like, Mom, <laughs> I'm supposed to go out and get the wealth, you know, <laughs> come back and bring the wealth back. Um, 
when I first joined the temple, it was so, yeah, it was difficult for my parents, you know. Um, right. It was, uh, you know, they went, it went through all the stages, you know. First it was anger, and then it was tears, and then it was uh, reconciliation and compromise. Um, it was a difficult time. It was a very emotional time in my life. Um, I think what's happened with my parents over time is that um, I think they've grown to accept uh, and 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 appreciate actually, yeah, what I do. I've been a monk now for twenty years, so I, I think they're used to it somewhat now. Sure. I think part of um, there may be opposition to Krishna consciousness in the beginning. A lot of it was to do with me as well um, and how I presented Krishna consciousness. And um, maybe I wasn't the best uh, specimen of Krishna consciousness. And um, in terms of sannyas, uh, well, to be honest, I've not told them about sannyas. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, really? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'll see this uh, podcast or not, but um, <laughs> I, I sense with my parents that um, maybe it wouldn't be such a difference to what I'm doing now. Right. Like, I yeah. think for yeah. them it wouldn't be so much different to what I'm doing now. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, as a sannyasi, uh, you know, sannyasis do also, um, you know, encourage their parents and, and you know, and, and assist them in, in times of need, if that may be there. Um, so that hard line is not there. Sometimes you find in many traditions of renunciation that it can be a very hard cut, you know. Um, you know, there are, there are traditions of renunciation where, you know, after taking something like sannyas, you would never see your parents again. Um, yeah. You would not. What speak of seeing them? You wouldn't even be able to allow to engage in conversation about you know about what they're doing or any such things. But but yeah, in Mahaprabhu's line, in the Gaudiya line, in in, in the sannyas that Srila Prabhupada has given, there's yeah, there's it's not so much about a hard line renunciation. So yeah, mm. I guess I'll you know. If the time would come, then I'd, I'd have that conversation with them and explain what it means. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you do. <laughs> um, what is Sutapal Prabhu's most successful method of book distribution? Um, I think it's about a personal connection. One, one thing that they always told me when I started going out on book distribution is that uh, they don't necessarily buy the book. Five people, five percent will buy the book. Ninety-five percent people will buy you. They buy right. it to you. Um, and so I realized on the street when I was genuine, um, when I was without ulterior motive, um, when I was relatable, uh, when I, you know, was a little bit charming, uh, when I employed some nice ways in which to connect with them through humor and other things. When you build personal connection with people, um, then we're able to take them somewhere, you know? Mm. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, it's, um, I don't think there's a, you know, there's this story of like a man who had a jacket on. So the wind thought, 
I'm going to like get the get the jacket off that man. So the wind began to blow like anything, trying to like rip this jacket off this person. And as the wind began to blow, the person just begin to, began to tighten up their jacket more and more and more. Mm. And and then the sun came out, and the sun said, "I'll get his jacket off." Sean. <laughs> It's a great, that's a great story. The sun just, you know, it was just shining. And then the man just went like, just opened up, you know. Right. I guess when I go out on the street, I try to be like, warm. Give a little bit of sunshine, give a little bit of a ray of hope. Love it. Give a a little bit of, uh, a bit of the light of Krishna consciousness. But yeah, just be genuine, be real, be nice. um, and, And be concerned. Um, one devotee used to tell me, Sankirtan book distribution really begins at the point on the street when you realize I have nothing to take from these people. I've only come to give. Wow. That's the point at which real book distribution begins. Anything before that is purification or we're doing our duty. Real Sharing of Krishna consciousness begins when we're only concerned in giving and not taking from anyone. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. Okay. Oh, this is cool to mention. Shruti Dharma Prabhu once told me, build the people and the people will build temple. Great point. Yeah. 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 Caring for the people and um, yeah, people make projects. Yeah. Yeah. What can you say are mistakes you have made in your path that you can advise us not to make on our path to marrying the mission? Um, I think one of those things that I mentioned was uh, the quantitative and the qualitative. And uh, I saw in my life how it could become very quantitative about doing big things, but we lose the vision of one-to-one connection with people. Yeah, And so I think always while you're trying to do the big mission, always have individual devotees that you're helping and actually concerned about. You know, try to be on the ground and have human contact with people so that it becomes more personal. Otherwise, the mission can just become about the numbers and, the, you know, the big accolades and the achievements and it, and it loses its heart, um, you know, the heart. Indra Prabhu wrote that book, right? The heart of transcendental book distribution. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's definitely one thing. I think another thing is on the path of pursuing the mission, um, we have to become very close to Krishna. We have to be able to also um, uh deliver the goods, deliver the real thing to people. And that means we have to be genuine in our spiritual life. We have to be genuine in what we're experiencing. Um, And sometimes in the spirit of mission, um, we don't spend enough time on developing that genuine Krishna consciousness within ourselves. And, uh, And also another thing is that we need that genuine spirituality so that when we're engaged in the mission, we're able to not become affected by that. 
Um, like I'll give you an example in the Mahabharata, you have Abhimanyu. So Abhimanyu is like this incredible archer. Like he just, he's incredible. He knows how to penetrate any phalanx, yeah, any formation. Yeah. Now, when uh, Abhimanyu penetrated the Kaurava uh, phalanx, you know, that formation. Chakra view, yeah. Chakra vyuha. Now, what Bhagavad Saraswati Thakur explains is he says that Abhimanyu had the knowledge of how to penetrate it. He had the knowledge of how to fight within it. But what he didn't have the knowledge of was how to come out unscathed. So Bhagavad Saraswati Thakur says, the preachers of the Krishna consciousness movement may be ingenious in reaching people, in going into any situation, in even speaking and connecting people. But the question will remain is that, are they able to then come out of that situation and, 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 and with their own spiritual consciousness intact? Wow. Wow. Great point. I don't know when you were in Vrindavan if you ever did like kabaddi. Did you ever do? You no, I didn't. No, but I, I know what it is. Is you know what it is, right? So the idea is that you know, like these people are like circling you, and then you're supposed to like tag them. But when you go to tag them, there's always the danger that they might, you know. So you're supposed to tag them and then get out. So it's kind of like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what we're trying to do, you know. So. Yeah. I guess those are a few things and they could be. Sure. sure. All right. We're going to step it up a little bit because we're running out of time, but I'm going to choose some questions that I like here. Um, you, you have a book you write your, so Sudha Prabhu is an, uh, is an author as well. So any upcoming books someone's asking? Uh, yeah, we're trying to do uh, a new book on the, uh, on the Gita. Oh, okay. And uh, the kind of, the tagline for it is wisdom that breathes. And uh, what I'm really kind of trying to do with that book is, um, I guess, bring out many of the philosophical points of the Gita, mm -hmm. but then bring in many, many practical meditations and exercises and thought experiments and um, self-introspective stuff that devotees can do to try to kind of implant those principles into a deeper space within their consciousness, you know? Right. Sometimes I think we read a lot of philosophy, but um, in terms of turning it into vigyan or realization and going through that process of really churning it and making it a reality, um, perhaps there could be more that we could share with devotees in order to help that process happen. Um, so yeah, I guess that's something we're working on at the moment. And um, and another book, which is just about the internal journey of bhakti. So mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll take like Madhurya Kadambini, uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and we'll take like a Shastric framework of how the development of bhakti within one's heart, um, what happens on that journey. But then we'll bring in a lot of practical thing of the experiences that we have um, in you know the 21st century world and how it relates to that classical framework of the acharyas. Right. Wow. Very cool. I think we can end on this question because this is this is cool. Um, see if I can find it again. A lot of appreciation. A lot of uh, good questions. Uh, 
Oh, okay, here. What you see is the next step for the mission. It's a good uh, concluding point, I guess you can make. Um, again, the mission is broad and ISKCON in different places is at different stages of development. Um, what may be the next stage of development in London may be different from New Jersey. That's where you're at, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, New Jersey or, you know, I don't know, Mexico or whatever. Um, again, I'm going to come back to the same thing. And maybe uh, Chirag or Nandagopa, he knows me well. Like, uh, I'm more, I don't talk so much about strategy. I'm not so much of a strategist, but I'm mm. a I'm a person of uh, I try to be a person of spirit, and my firm conviction is that when spirit is there, when the inspiration is there, then the strategy and the how and the what um, it will work out. I, I'm sure it will work out, but the spirit has to be there. Mm. And so I think the next step for the mission, uh, the next step for ISKCON. Uh, the next step for all of us, myself included, um, is to just try and capture this spirit more and more because it's so much, for me, it's so much the spirit which embodies who Srila Prabhupada is. Um, the spirit of someone who, you know, just came down um, and came down to the Lower East Side, you know, um, to give Krishna consciousness and 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 yeah, I'll end with a story maybe. Um, sure, sure. You know, Brahmananda Prabhu was such an amazing personality, um, and I'm sure yourself in Vrindavan, you had opportunity to connect with him. I connected with him in New York actually when he oh, came New back York? from Vrindavan to uh, renew his visa or something. Or I was serving him there. It was, I connected with him quite quite deeply actually amazing devotee yeah so i think he was either giving a class or he was giving an offering on the vyasasana or something and he was talking about shila Prabhupada with the love that he has for shila Prabhupada. um and uh, one person in the audience put their hand up and they said brahmananda prabhu brahmananda prabhu uh, the way you speak about shila Prabhupada, to us it seems that for you Srila Prabhupada is God. So Brahmananda Prabhu paused and he said, no, 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 no. We, we made that mistake because at a certain point in the movie. There's that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, no, 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 no. Uh, we made that mistake. But Prabhupada is, no, no, he, we don't think Prabhupada is God. And then he paused again and he said, but you know, nowadays, I think Prabhupada is greater than God. Because Prabhupada came down to the Lower East Side to save me. And then he just broke down crying. Wow, beautiful. And in that moment, it was just like Prabhupada came down to the Lower East Side. And, uh, you know, the, the East Village Voice, which was the hippie newspaper at that time, the devotees came to Prabhupada with the East Village Voice which was describing Prabhupada in the Lower East Side, and they read out the article, and it said, and one old man, a few months past his three score and ten, wandered into New York's East Village and convinced the world's toughest audience 
bohemians, potheads, acid heads and hippies, that he knew the way to God, turn off, sing out and fall in. <laughs> this new brand of holy man has brought a type of consciousness expansion that's sweeter than acid, cheaper than pot and non-bustable by fuzz. <laughs> wow. They were great writers. And Prabhupada yeah. listening to all of this. And then Prabhupada just pauses for thought and he goes, Hmm, very nice. They have explained in their own words. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. It was it was such a nice. So I, I feel for me the, the next step of the mission, which will always be the most important part of the mission, is just imbibing the complete sense of compassion and selflessness and desire to give Krishna to as many people as possible that Srila Prabhupada had. And I think when that spirit is there, then, uh, then all the magic will happen. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's the kind of the end here. Yeah. It was so fascinating to talk to you again and, and to get your viewpoints and your experiences, Prabhu. Thank you. And I and I wish you the best of luck in your upcoming sannyas uh, entrance of, into that ashram. I'm very excited for what you have in the future. Um, and I and I I think everyone will agree with me when I say that I feel that you're part of um, ISKCON there in England is in good hands if you're one of the leaders. And we really appreciate that. And I, I personally want to thank you for that. Thank you, Sam. And thank you for your service. Uh, I'll have to find in another podcast for my exercise listening tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a few. There's a number there. Thank you for your service. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, wishing you the best and uh, look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you, Prabhu. Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, could they email you? Yeah, uh, we have a website, um, okay. and there's a website, yeah. uh, tatva.co.uk. So if anyone. Oh, really? Yeah, and there's like books you can download for free and other stuff. So yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you again, Sutapa Prabhu, for joining me. Uh, on this fantastic, inspiring podcast episode for us to uh, marry the mission. You know, a lot to think about. So um, also, um, the late morning program, we're having another episode tomorrow with uh, Gora Nataraj Prabhu. Uh, we're going to be talking about fasting. I actually fasted for seven days recently uh, mm -hmm. under his under his um, guidance, and I want to kind of share my experience and also ask him different questions about fasting and and things. So it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Tune in tomorrow at the same time, uh, one p.m. Eastern, and you can hear that conversation. Prabhu, stay online. I'm just going to turn off the live. Thank you for everyone for listening. Please like and subscribe to the channel on YouTube and Facebook, and uh, have the great rest of your evening. Hi, Bull. Hare Krishna Hare